Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode two of the Arkansas Independence Podcast. This time, I've got Dan Whitfield with me and uh, excited to have him here for a conversation this evening. Dan is running for Senate, and Dan previously ran as an independent, and due to some issues with COVID and the petition-seeking process, wasn't able to successfully uh, get on the ballot as an independent. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. Am I right so far? Yeah, you're right so far. (laughs) So It's a little more complicated than that, but I'm sure we'll get into it. Well, I want to just go ahead and turn it right over to you because um, what I'm interested in talking about right off the bat is you, you have this experience running as an independent candidate in Arkansas. And I'd just really love to hear about that process and what your experience was like in that process. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Dan Whitfield, and I am currently the Democratic candidate running against Senator John Bozeman for the U.S. Senate. And last year, um, as Derek had just stated, I ran as an independent against Senator Tom Cotton. So when I decided to run for office as an independent, I had no idea what to do. There's so much to learn. There's so much Uh, that they don't tell you. And there's a lot of things that the Secretary of State's office is negligent in handling to make it harder to run for office as an independent, which are things that I found out uh, when collaborating with other independent candidates, which we can get into in a little bit as well, such as knowing um, how many registered voters are in each different district and things like that, that are really important to know when you have to collect a certain amount of signatures but you don't know how many signatures to collect. Um, So let's just start with uh, my run for office. So the first thing that you have to understand when you decide to run for office as an independent is that the way to get on the ballot is a little bit different than if you decided to run with one of the major two parties. Um, And even if you decided to run with a third party, such as the Green Party or the Libertarian Party. If you're running uh, as a Democrat or Republican, then it's very simple. You have a filing period. They let you know when the period is. You give them money. And in exchange, you're on the ballot for the primary. And if no one else uh, gives them money to run for that seat, then it puts you straight on the ballot for the general election. If you run as a Republican or a Democrat, you just pay the filing fee and that's how you get on the ballot. So we just went through that. Moving on. If you want to run for office as a libertarian or a Green Party member, then it's a little bit different than that. So the first thing to understand is that the party will actually be collecting signatures to get ballot access. So the Libertarian Party they get to choose a 90-day window every election cycle. And during that chosen 90-day window, they have to collect 10,000 signatures, uh, 10,000 verified signatures. Verified is important because statistically, uh, most of the signatures that you turn in, it's going to be like a 60 to 70% validity rate. So you really want to turn in at least 16 or 17,000 signatures to guarantee that you hit the 10,000 signatures required. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you something real quick, right there, with that, Dan. Um, yeah. Why is that? Why is the why is the validity so low? That seems like such a terrible percentage. It really is, um, and it's terrible. I know, as someone who had to collect petitions before, signatures can be thrown out because the signature does not match the signature on their ID or their voter registration. They can be thrown out if they put their birth date and the current date, if they uh, reverse them in the boxes, if they do not put their zip code, if they put the wrong zip code, maybe they had moved recently and didn't realize their voter registration hadn't been changed yet. Uh, There's all these different ways. And of course, when you collect signatures, some people will be like, well, you know, I'll sign this, but I don't want to put my address on there. Or I'll sign this, but, uh, you know, I don't want to put my zip code. And if all of that information is not entered 100% accurately, then they just throw the signature out. Oh, man. Okay. Um, Good to know. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And then another thing that's also interesting to think about is I'll get to that when I start talking about myself and my uh, <laughs> okay. But okay. it's another important thing that has to do with letter size paper and legal size paper. Okay. Uh, all right. So 
the Libertarian Party chooses their 90-day window, and then they collect signatures as a whole. And if the party gets 10,000 verified signatures, then every single Libertarian in the state can run for office. Um, it gives them full ballot access. Oh, wow. So if okay. there are, say, uh, let's just say 50 Libertarians running in the state of Arkansas, if each of those 50 Libertarians collect – say 100 signatures then you know that leaves them at okay so that's only 5,000 so let's just say um, if there are 50 libertarians running and each one gets 300 signatures then they put them all together and that's approximately 15,000 signatures and yeah. with those 15,000 signatures all 50 of those libertarians can get ballot access and it's the same for the green party as well which is why the Libertarian Party every year when it comes to ballot access uh, time, when they need to collect signatures, they actually pay a signature canvassing company um, around fifty-five dollars to $60,000. And then the company they pay will go collect all the signatures for them. Because then if you take, you know, 50 people and you get them each to give, say, you know, around $1,000, now – for $1,000, uh, they basically paid a filing fee to get their signatures that are needed, and now they all have ballot access. So yeah. that's just how libertarians and Green Party people get their ballot access and why we see libertarians on the ballot very regularly versus not seeing independents on the ballot as much because now as an independent, you are independent. If you need 10,000 signatures, that means you – need 10,000 signatures. If another independent is running for a different state position and say they need 1,200 signatures, they need 1,200 signatures, you need 10,000 signatures, and so on. So it's a lot um, – it's unfair. It's not equal under the law for independence, which is something I – if I had extra money right now, I would love to sue um, our state – for the 14th Amendment due to the Equal Protection Clause that independents have an un, you know, it's a severe burden, an unjust burden for getting ballot access compared to other parties. So let me um, ask you a question, uh -huh. if you don't mind, if I yeah. can interrupt you again. Sorry, Dan. Absolutely. So, you're good. Yeah. So, um, so like this thing, this podcast, Arkansas Independence, like what's to stop someone like me from going and making just making my own party and just calling it Arkansas independence. Like, is there an, is there an avenue for just for something like that? That, or is that what common grounds doing or, I mean, um, or who knows? Common right? ground Which, is a super PAC. They're, okay. uh, they're a little bit different political action committee. I but gotcha. Yes. You could create your own third party, get your 10,000 signatures and then get everybody in your party access, a uh, ballot access. So it is something that you could do. I'm sure there's some kind of paperwork involved. I don't think yeah. there would be a fee involved. All that it would include is going to be um, probably most of the same uh, affidavits that you have to sign as a candidate, um, but as a party and then getting signatures. I'm just not sure how many signatures it would need to be. Uh, but one of the cool things about it is if you did, say, form an independent party in Arkansas and you ran a candidate for, say, governor and that candidate got a specific uh, percentage of the votes, then you wouldn't have to worry about getting ballot access again. You would be guaranteed ballot access, um, which is really cool. That's what the libertarians are trying to get, uh, you know, year after year. They're trying to get that permanent ballot access spot by getting enough votes. I got you. Um, all right. So. Independents are a little bit different because you have to collect your own signatures. It can be very expensive. Um, one thing that I noticed as a candidate for the United States Senate, my signature collection process was a little bit different than what most candidates, most independent candidates will be facing because I don't have to worry about signatures being in a specific district. I just had to make sure that my signatures were from the state of Arkansas. So the first thing you have to do when you're running for office and you choose to run as an independent is you have to go into the good luck, by the way, go into the secretary of state's website and find how many registered voters are in your district currently. And you need to make sure you get three percent of that amount of people in signatures from your district. So if you are going out and petitioning uh, to get your signatures for ballot access and somebody that is not in your district signs, then they will throw it out. Um, 
When I was running my uh, campaign as an independent against Tom Cotton, my signature petition paper, um, and I, I actually just happened to have one uh, right here. I had uh, printed a bunch of these petitions out, and now they have turned into scratch paper. Um, <laughs> this is a letter-sized piece of paper, and it has all the accurate information on there, which you can't see because the lights are too bright. Um, but at the very bottom, it says very distinctly, pursuant to Act 340 of 2015, this petition page format, comma, on legal size paper, comma, is prescribed by the Secretary of State Arkansas Code annotated 77103 as amended. So it specifically says, um, you know, very clearly on legal size paper on the bottom of this petition, which means um, you can't print it on regular paper. Mm -hmm. Now, I had called the Secretary of State's office uh, multiple times to get accurate information to make sure that all of the signatures we turned in were counted and collected. And they told us that it could be printed on letter-sized paper. And then I had called again and he told me that again. And then I had already got, you know, thousands of these things printed out and I was all had all my binders ready to go. I, I had Oh, man, I think 80 I think I had 85 binders to hand out to volunteers to collect signatures across the state immediately, which was amazing. People hate Tom Cotton and we're ready to go collect signatures yeah. to help him lose. Um, but the last time I called the secretary of state's office, the guy said, well, let me transfer you to our legal department. So I talked to one of the lawyers um, on the secretary of state's um, team. And that gentleman told me, he's like, yeah, you know, people turn them in all the time on letter size paper. It's no problem. We'll accept them. But if your petitions are, you know, brought forward into a court of law, I cannot guarantee that the judge will uphold this. And that's what um, really made me worry about collecting on letter size paper. That's when I went out and bought legal size paper and decided to do the whole thing on legal size paper because the GOP had literally just blackmailed the Democrat out. And I didn't want to give them the opportunity to take me to court over my petitions and uh, tell me that none of these are legitimate because they're not on legal size paper. Right. I so you. one thing that needs to be done is we do need to amend the Arkansas Constitution. Um, let's see. Uh, Arkansas Code 77103. And we need to make sure to remove the on legal size paper clause that's in there to make sure that independent candidates in the future don't have to worry about that. Because the burden of collecting on legal size paper is I mean, it is way harder because uh, – one of the avenues that we took to try to get more signatures due to COVID was we had a part on our website where people could just click the link. It would take you straight to the PDF so you could print and sign and mail it in. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, most people don't have legal size paper in their printer and not all mm. printers can print on legal size paper. So now it makes it even harder to get signatures. Um, well, and, you know, that's 20. just... It's yeah. 2021. Like, shouldn't there be? Is anybody experimenting with like digital signature collection anywhere? In other states, yes, absolutely. Um, which is, you know, what brought me into my whole lawsuit in the first place. So I ran against Tom Cotton in 2020. Now, a difference between libertarians and independents and say the Green Party, the third parties and independents, is that libertarians and Green Party members get to choose their 90-day window to collect 10,000 signatures, where independents have a fixed 90-day period, which uh, unfortunately last year, it was from February 1st to May 1st. So since the Libertarian Party got to choose their signature collection period, they collected their signatures in the summer of 2019. They went to, you know, Fourth of July festivals. They had mm -hmm. all these big events. Everybody's out and about in the summer and they got their signatures. I think they paid $56,000 for a canvassing company to get all the signatures. And that's why there was a Libertarian on the ballot against Tom Cotton. 
as an independent, I had between February 1st and May the 1st to collect my 10,000 signatures of that 90 day specific window. Um, so I had from May 1st until March 13th, when Governor Asa Hutchinson declared a state of emergency, people started hoarding toilet paper and food and staying home and quarantining. And, you know, that was when the COVID pandemic really had people scared. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that first wave, people were staying home. They really were. I mean, they can. the governor can say, well, we didn't shut down all he wants, but that doesn't mean people didn't shut things down themselves. Right. So we lost about 70% of our collection period. Um, We still had a, I had a meeting with my leadership team and with my wife and we decided uh, as a whole, as a team that we would tell our volunteers that were collecting signatures to stop collecting if they didn't feel safe doing so. And at that time we lost about 100% of our volunteers that were collecting signatures. So we had uh, at that time, I think we ended up with 6,500 or 6,400 signatures, and we ended up with a 91% validity rate, and we had 5,941 verified signatures. So our validity rate was, I mean, it was extraordinary. I, it yeah. really just goes to show how careful people were to make sure that their voice was going to be heard and counted. Uh, So we only got about 60% of the signatures we needed after losing about 70% of the signature collection period. And the, so let's talk a little bit real quick about collecting signatures, uh, the best way to do this, because this is something that people really need to um, know how to do that. No one has any idea. Um, There are some ways to make it easy. Uh, You can hire a canvas company. Uh, Most of them will charge you about $4 per signature. Uh, So the first thing you do is you contact the secretary of state and find out how many registered voters are currently in your area. So you know how many signatures you need. You need 3% of that. So say, let's say you're in a a small Dan, isn't there like a minimum on that though? So if it's like a really- There is no minimum. There is a maximum of 10,000, but there is no minimum. So it's 3% um, or 10,000? Yes, but I actually I believe if it's a state representative position it might be a maximum of 2,000. I got you. I so I think that's I, I believe that it changes as you go up and down the scale just a tad. But anyway, yeah, sorry, just a continue. Bit. I, I know uh, US Senate is the highest. They get this. Right, yeah. If you want to run um, as an independent for president, you only need <laughs> a thousand signatures. Dang, I just need to jump straight to Prez, man. <laughs> and you don't have a 90-day window. I could start collecting today to run as an independent for president in 2024. Well, and the deadline isn't May 1st. The deadline is like August 11th. Yeah. So it's a lot different. Um, yeah. But anyways, so you need to find out how many signatures you need. And Mm -hmm. once you know how many signatures you need, you can contact the Secretary of State's office and get voter registration for your area. And once you have your voter registration, what I suggest the best way to do this is, is it should have all the addresses of the registered voters in your district, Um, you know, print out petition sheets like this on legal size paper until we can get that law changed. Um, it costs just a little bit of money, but print them out, get envelopes and a stamp and write each address. It is super tedious. Uh, what we ended up doing was we ended up using an Excel sheet and then we mm-hmm. would, um, you know, put them all in cells and print it and then cut it and paste it with stick glue. It worked just fine. Um, it tapes a little bit more expensive, but you can, you know, make them small enough that you can just put tape and put the address straight on the envelope. That way you do have <laughs> so to make ridiculous. sure you have it is. It's a pain. It's so ridiculous, um, man. But, you know, we are still in the time of COVID and it's yeah. you know, looking likely that we could have another wave during this period when it's coming up for the new candidates coming around. Um, but if you only need like one or two or three thousand signatures, then it's not a terrible burden. Um, you know, I suggest that I found with my own experience, go on Amazon and get a stamp with your P.O. box. Make sure you get a P.O. box if you're running for office. Get a P.O. box. Do it. And when you register with the state, use the P.O. box. Don't use your home address. Um, anybody can go online and look up who you are and what your home address is. So make sure you use a PO box so that they can't, um, running as a progressive candidate in Arkansas, I have gotten death threats. People know where I live. My address is public because I didn't do that. Um, 
So get a stamp and put your name and your P.O. box for your return address because every envelope is going to need the signature, man, the signature, I don't know, the person who will be signing and um, a return address so you can just stamp the return address on there. It's a lot easier to stamp a thousand envelopes than write your address a thousand times. Trust me, it's worth the 20 bucks. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then inside as well, um, I had to find ways to be crafty after my volunteers stopped collecting. Um, these are things I did. Uh, I had people where they could even just go on my website and put request a petition sheet. That way I would print it out. I would put it in an envelope. I would put the stamp on it, put my address, put their address. And inside I had a blank envelope with my address stamped right on the middle of it for the sending or the return address, not the return, sorry, the sending address. Mm -hmm. um, that way they just had to write their address in the top corner, had a stamp on it. So they would get the mail. They just had to open it, sign their name, put it back in, write their address and hop, you know, put it right back in the mailbox. Didn't cost them anything. So you're paying for two stamps per envelope. It's a dollar. So, you know, yeah. it can start to get expensive if you send out two, 3000 envelopes, that's two, $3,000 minus uh, the costs for, um, you know, printing ink and for paper and all these different things. So, you know, it's not free and it does cost a little bit of money, but it's safe. It's fairly easy, especially if you're using that voter registration data. If you're an independent, um, you know, to figure out if you're more moderate, if you're more left leaning, more right leaning. And you can always put a little note inside those envelopes you're mailing out like, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm running as an independent to represent you in this position. And here are some policies I support. Uh, I su I'm pro-Second Amendment. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-choice personally, by the way. Uh, but if, you, you know, if you're pro-life, because independence can be, and you're pro-2A, uh, put a thing in there. I'm a conservative independent. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-gun. Vote for me. Just fill this out and send it back. And you know what? Uh, you can actually target all of the Republicans in that voter registration and send it to them, and you're going to get a ton of signatures. Yeah. Um, if you're a more liberal independent, you know, you can be like, you know, I'm pro-choice. I support, um, you know, lowering taxes for the working class as well as – you know, this, 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 and this, and this. Um, and then you can send that letter specifically to Democrats because you'll have that information. Is this a registered Republican or a registered Democrat? And they'll be more likely to sign it. And of course, you can always uh, just send it to independents as well and just have it just a petition sheet. Hi, my name's so-and-so. Will you help me get on the ballot so that you have a choice? What's just stopping you from sending it to everybody? You just can't do that or... Sure you can, but if you send a oh, thing to you. a Republican okay. that says, well, you know, I'm pro-choice, I'm pro-gun, but I'm pro-choice, they're not going to sign it. They're just going to throw it in the trash. So you're just trying um, to pick your target audience as best you can. To yeah, save. It's uh, the, yeah. You know, I'm not saying, of course, don't lie about your policies. Don't be fake, right, but right. you can pick and choose who you send it to, um, yeah. people who you think are going to be more likely to sign it and send it back because it's costing a dollar or more every time you send one out. So you want to be as effective as possible with them. Right. And of course, um, you know, uh, if if you're vaccinated, uh, if you don't believe in covid, oh, I hope you believe in covid. Um, <laughs> you know, you can always go door to door to collect signatures as well. Uh, you can go to public places before the pandemic really hit. I got hundreds of signatures standing in front of the DMV. That is a great place to go. The Department of Revenue Office. Everybody's coming and going. You know if they're going in there, they're a registered voter. Um, yeah. And if they're not, then they can go inside and register to vote right then and there. So the DMV is a really good place to go. You can get 100 or 200 or 300 in a day. So you know, check those places out. It's not as easy to go to like, say, Walmart, um, Walmart's private property. They're not going to let you collect there. If you go to yeah. the post office, some post offices are not federally owned. They're federally operated and they may have you go on the sidewalk out on the street further than the parking lot. So people won't be walking by you. Um, you can go to parks. Uh, you know, any federal property or state property is usually good to go as long as it's not private property. So you can collect yeah. in person as well. Um, when I was in the middle of my lawsuit for ballot access, uh, one of the things that, you know, was brought up was someone said, 
<laughs> someone who testified against me as a witness for the defense, she said, well, number one, if your candidacy, you know, if you were a serious candidate, first off, you would have just paid my company $85,000 and we would have got the signatures for you. Damn, I wish I had $85,000 yeah. for signatures. That'd be nice. Um, but I'm not a millionaire. I'm a working class candidate anyways. And she also said, if you were worried about COVID, then we could have bought um, 10,000 pins and used one pin for each person. Um, so if you want to you know, go out with a couple hundred pins, um, you can have one pin per person and let them keep the pin. Uh, you know, but then it gets into, well, now you have a clipboard with a paper with slots for 10 people. So now the first person has a clean paper. Now the second person, how are you going to sanitize paper without rubbing up there? Uh, you know, I mean, there's just so many issues, but yeah. if you don't care about COVID and you're just going out hand to hand, no mask, whatever, you know, do your thing, but by personal opinion, get vaccinated, wear a mask, wear gloves. If you're going to do something like this and be safe about it, I don't know. Anyways, Collecting signatures is the hardest part about a whole independence campaign. It's it's very involved. You need a good network of supporters. You need to understand um, that your volunteers, you're going to have some that outshine the others. I mean, I had I had volunteer that turned me in like 700 signatures. I mean, the dude was wow. super awesome. He was going out every day for weeks until, um, you know, COVID happened and he was getting tons of signatures. And then you have people who be like, oh, I'll get you signatures. I'll get you signatures. Send me uh, papers. And you send them like, you know, 10 sheets because that's what they ask for. And then you never hear back from them. Yeah. Um, so make sure, you know, keep in touch with the people collecting signatures. They're volunteers. They're helping you out of the goodness of their heart because they see something in you and they believe in you. So it's good to reach back to them and thank them all the time. Make sure you show your appreciation for what they're doing. And when you get those superstars and you'll know who they are. I mean, do everything you can to, you know, make them to show your appreciation to them so that they yeah. know um, that what they're doing is for a good cause and that, it, you know, their time's worth it. All right. So let's say um, you, let's say you get your signatures and now what? I mean, you just got to turn them in. And is there still a filing fee yes. that you pay or, or? No, there is no filing fee. Okay. That is your the filing signatures fee. covers that. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. So during the filing period, you will actually um, turn in all of your signatures and you fill out all you go to the state capitol. Though You'll know when the date is. They'll tell you, I think yeah. uh, this upcoming one, I believe it's going to be like February 22nd. And then it'll be um, 11 or 12 days after that when it ends. And um, you go in, you fill out all their paperwork and then you take all your signatures and you bring them downstairs into the secretary of state's office down into this library area. And uh, that's it. You hand them your things, uh, your uh, signature sheets. You sign a piece of paper verifying that, you know, you collected these signatures and they're all legitimate. And th then you go your own way. Hey, I just got curious and I looked it up here, but Massachusetts is the first state um, and that to allow electronic signatures. And they just did that oh, on man. April 29th of 2020. So yeah, this is like, there's like, the whole United States is behind on this, not just Arkansas. Yeah, unfortunately. For real. But anyway, yeah. No, and it, that's a really important point as well because so you know we lost a, a lot of our volunteers due to safety concerns for collecting signatures on March 13th of 2020. And as May was approaching, and I saw that you know we couldn't, we weren't getting as many signatures as we hoped we would through mail. Um, we got some, but just not enough. We were on track to get our uh, 10,000 verified signatures, but we were cut short because of COVID. So at this point, um, I believe it was early May, I reached out to every other independent candidate in the state that was running for office. And I drafted a letter to Governor Asa Hutchinson. And I asked in this letter, I said, you know, Governor Asa Hutchinson, are you willing to do what many other states have already done? Can you um, grant an extension to the deadline, reduce mm -hmm. the amount of signatures required, or allow online petitioning. Uh, because like you said, Massachusetts had done it. I believe yeah. Florida had done it. But the difference was Florida, Republicans and Democrats need to collect signatures for ballot access as well as third parties. So they oh, made okay. it so that you could do digital petitioning because Republicans and Democrats, two parties. Um and unfortunately, well, I got all of the independent candidates to sign it, all of them. And, you know, we sent this letter in. Asa Hutchinson ignored it. I sent it to 
the Secretary of State John Thurston three times certified. I know he received it all three times. And finally, um, I emailed his staff and uh, finally they reached back out to me like a week later and said, um, you know, John Thurston, the Secretary of State doesn't have the authority to do any of these things. And that's when we sued him for ballot access at that point. Um, And, you know, this this was back in May. Who, uh, we, who did have the authority? Is that the governor's authority alone? They didn't know. They wouldn't tell us. They they said, oh, okay. you know, we don't have the authority. I asked who. They said, we don't know. <laughs> well, okay. um, realistically, he did have the authority. The secretary of state could, in fact, um, do that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I wasn't um, sure on, on if that would have to be like a, what I was reading just now is like the, the idea of digital signature collection has been presented I mean, for the past 10 years all over the place and just constantly gets defeated. Yeah. So it's because, you know, the two party system, they they have a lot of power in controlling who gets on the ballot because they don't want competition. They don't want independents coming in and winning elections, which is what would happen if you look at Arkansas. The largest voting bloc in Arkansas are independent voters. Yeah. But. You know, it's just it's tough for independents to get on. I, it's been a while now, a couple of years since I went through this whole process. But if I remember correctly, I think only three candidates in the last 50 years have made it onto the ballot for the United States Senate. And yeah. none of them have ever done it with unpaid volunteers. They've all paid for ballot access. And it's just it's yeah. tough. So but not you only know, do you have the gatekeeper of the two party system, but you also have the financial gatekeeper involved, yeah. which turns a lot of people away right off the bat, you know. It's tough, especially I mean, a state like Arkansas, the average household income is 40K. And then you have these super rich canvassing companies that are charging, you know, clients $80,000 for 10,000 signatures. And they're like, well, you can't afford 80K. It's twice my yearly salary. What do you mean? I can't afford 80K. Um, You know, and it's it's just it's too bad. But hopefully, you know, uh, I'm running as a Democrat this year. And when I get elected as a Democrat, I decided to run as a Democrat because my platform, it it aligns with the Democratic platform. I'm a very progressive candidate. My values have never changed. My policies are all the same. But when I get elected as a Democrat, one of my big focuses are going to be easing ballot access restrictions so that we are not keeping people off the ballots for the two-party system, as well as pushing things like ranked choice voting, which is really going to help third parties and independents start winning elections as well. I I just don't believe in the two-party system. I, I really am interested in the idea of rank the ranked voting, and the way I've looked at it was on the electoral system. So, are you referring to like on on, on even like state level positions where you would have ranked level voting? Oh, I would have ranked level void uh, ranked choice voting at all the levels. Honestly, oh, okay. The thing about the way an election works is a lot of times the candidate who may only have say 20 to 25% of the total population can win a race because their opponent is worse than they are. Not because they're mm-hmm. a good candidate, not because they have good values, but simply because their opponent is a worse person. And you should never have to choose a lesser of two evils when choosing someone to represent you at any level in the government. Now, I mean, uh, personally, that's that's how Biden won. I mean, I am I'm really glad that Donald Trump is not our president uh, right now. But I mean, I don't really necessarily like Joe Biden. Uh, I liked his campaign promises, but I haven't seen him come through on many of those promises. Unfortunately, he's still got a few years left to fulfill these promises, but it's looking like he's not going to. Um, He got what, 83 million votes. And honestly, um, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I feel like a lot of those 83 million votes are probably people that weren't voting for him, <coughs> but people that were voting against Donald Trump. So, dude, hand, you know, we, hands we down. To that point. No, I agree. Yeah. And that's when you look at the voter turnout, you know, and I, th- I, I'm glad you mentioned it because, you know, and because I feel like that's something that hits home a little bit to the heart of the Arkansas independence, you know, mindset of going down the middle as well is because there's mm. all this. The voter turnout was higher than what it had been in a very long time in that election, you know, and they used that as an excuse to say that the election was clearly stolen because, well, look at these numbers. They're crazy. And it's like, 
you totally don't recognize the amount of voter apathy that has taken place until somebody as polarizing as Donald Trump becomes president and you motivate mm-hmm. a lot more people to go to the polls. But I, I don't think, I think you're spot on. I mean, there's so little excitement over not just Joe Biden, but the entire administration really. I mean, Kamala has been, has been underwhelming as well, you well, know, and I mean, realistically, Kamala got what less than 9% of the vote in the primary and ended up being our vice president. Um, <laughs> Ouch. But it is what it is. Uh, you know, again, I'm glad Donald Trump and Mike Pence are not leading the executive branch. But, you know, realistically, they're, they're man, I don't want to get too far off my rocker sound in here. But you know what? We still have all the same problems. We still have yeah. the same kind of executive cabinet. Our executive cabinet is still filled with Goldman Sachs and Wall Street, um, you know, pharmaceutical, health insurance, uh, fossil fuel executives. Our cabinet is still full of these people. And those are the people that are making the important decisions on a day to day basis on what happens with regulation, what happens with price fixing um, and all these different important issues that are keeping the working class and American people poor. Um, you know, and destroying our environment and all these other issues, you know, it really goes beyond just the president and the vice president. It's that executive cabinet that is the most dangerous, in my opinion. And the Biden's Biden's cabinet isn't that much different than Donald Trump's, except it's a little more diverse. Um, But, you know, same, same, same person, different shoe. Uh, same, you know, coin different side. Right. It's it's just the way it is. And until we can start to get more uh, independence and um, you know candidates that are disinterested in power, but more interested in um, bringing our government back to being what it's supposed to be—a government that's by the people for the people and not one that's purchased by special interests and large donors um, for those donors. Because we're just seeing all all the time where. Our legislators are taking huge sums of money from special interests and then in exchange voting on legislation that is going to benefit those interests while hurting their constituents. Uh, And so um, let's actually let's let's break this off uh, so I can talk a little bit more uh, about that. Um, Let me bring this up over here real quick. Okay, cool. So. One thing I will never tell someone what like to do is who to vote for. I'll never tell someone to vote for me. I'll never tell them to vote for someone else. All I will tell them to do is do their due diligence and make sure they know who they're voting for. So the best way to do that is research. And the best research you can do is non, uh, you know, impartial research, non-biased research. So the first website we're going to look at, how does that look on there? Does it look all right? Looks great. Okay. So non-biased, do you mean, are you about to pull up CNN and Fox to, News? Yeah. <laughs> yes, and let's go with, you know, OAN and MSNB. No, um, I'm going to go with straight hard data and facts okay. because you can't lie with data. So the first website we're going to here is Open Secrets, opensecrets.org. Now, this is going to tell us where um, – where, uh, candidates money is coming from so let's go ahead and do uh, our good old buddy tom cotton tom crooked cotton and i'm going to hit his name in there and click search and i'm going to click uh, politicians and lobbyists and let's just go to uh he he told the attorney general today to resign in disgrace i don't know if you saw that little bit or not Oh, man. It's like about a 10-minute clip going around. (laughs) Well, he was good buddies with William Barr. Um, Man, I didn't even get to – I didn't finish my whole story about when I ran for office because it gets really crazy and brings in some other stuff we'll talk about in a little while. But no, it's absolutely – his job is to listen to the people of Arkansas, take legislative suggestions, and extend the voices of his constituents into the legislative process. But unfortunately, he doesn't understand what his job is, and he thinks it's way more in-depth than that. He thinks 
Um, you know, he needs to be a lawyer. He thinks he needs to be a judge. He thinks he needs to be the Supreme Court. Uh, he thinks he needs to be everything because uh, he's trying to run for president one day. But let's go ahead and uh, there's a few different options on here. We can do member, candidate, candidate, personal finances. What, what are we looking at here? OpenSecrets.org? Okay, yes, I this is uh, OpenSecrets.org right here. And we're just gotcha. going to go to uh, – we'll just choose a category. I'll do when he was a candidate. When Tom Cotton ran as a Republican, 2020 for Arkansas Senate one. So let's just click this. So the first thing I can do is I can click and download the, C uh, the CSV file right here and look at all of his contributions. Um, actually, this would really be um, all of Tom Cotton's, uh, the Libertarians, and they look, it's myself is on here as well. Um so we can see right away that he raised $12 million, he spent $6 million, ended with $6 million on uh, cash on hand right there, and filed his last report on 1231. All right. Dang, man, he didn't even spend half of his budget. <laughs> well, he did, he spent half of his budget, but yeah, he had a lot yeah. left in the tank if he needed it. Oh, he does. And what he does with this money is he sends this money to other GOP candidates here in the state of Arkansas oh, okay. and across the country. Um, all right. So what we're going to do is let's go ahead and click Tom Cotton. So we can see the top industries that uh, donated to him, retired securities and investments, Stevens Inc., Charles, uh, you know, his top contributors, um, so is that do, when it says retired, is that like literally referring to retired people or like yeah, just pension or what? Yeah, it's people who are retired who donated and contribute, you know, any kind of okay. amount to his campaign. Gotcha. All right. So let's let's do it this way. Um, let's do. We'll do, go to packs here. So these are different packs that gave him money. Let's go to ideological single issues. So he took $372,000 from ideological groups just alone in 2020. This isn't um, everything. So we've got 9,500 oh, from guns rights, 3,000 for human rights, 6,500 for pro-Israel. Leadership packs. Let's see what's in here. Leadership packs. So it, this is a combined amount from like 21st Century Majority Fund, Alamo Pack, Arkansas for Leadership, um, Bluegrass Committee, Bringing America Together, Common Sense, Common Solutions, Dakota, um, Defend America. Um, you know, there's We're just... Huck we're gonna have to do an episode sometime just oh, on yeah. packs. I'm sorry, just to I can go on this down. Days. No, yeah. you're good. I just <laughs> when you see when you see how much money comes through oh, the man. political action committees, it yeah, starts Huck to get Pack. Sarah Huckabee yeah. Sanders donated to him five thousand hey. dollars, which was more than the and packs are crazy too because the individual contribution limit is twenty eight hundred dollars. So what someone like Sarah Huckabee Sanders would do is create a Huck Pack and donate more than the individual contribution limit. But she'll and, just donate from – can she donate from both that way? Yes. She okay. can donate uh, through the pack and then as well as um, donating through uh, you know, her personal things as well. Look at this. Citizens United. So Citizens United 10K, they're the ones who um, – you know, this is the group that allows massive amounts of dark money into politics. Um, you know, but, but there's all these different things. You can see where all of his – uh, money is coming from. You can see his top contributors, Apollo Global Management, Stevens Group, Pro-Israel, America PAC, um, you know, $33,000. But here's a good example. He gets all this money from the Pro-Israel, America PAC. And then he votes every single year to increase the Israel defense budget and give them $3 billion a year. And this PAC right here, I bet you they're donating to a lot of candidates. Look at this. They donated to 905 uh, just this in is right. This right here is what I love to see because it shows you it's it's both sides. It's 50-50 almost. It is. They're buying um, off of everybody and it don't mostly matter. Mostly incumbents. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Democrats, That's pretty sad, man. Republicans, independents, nothing. Yep. 
No independence <laughs> on there. That's true. They're not buying independence, but but you know this yeah. is pro Israel America pack. They put nine hundred and seven hundred, so over you know sixteen uh, or one point six million dollars yeah. into the elections in twenty twenty, and then after they put in one point six million dollars into the elections, then those people that they gave money to that won that election are going to vote to give them three billion dollars every single year. I mean, this yeah. is just the problem with politics, the money in politics, which is why I'm running. You know, I started seeing this, but do your own research. This is the whole point I'm making. You can kind of cut this down to make it fit into what you need. Um, no, this is great. But and I mean, it just, you know, it gets even it goes even deeper. You can see annual lobbying. Uh, see, look, pro-Israel has not reported lobbying on specific bills. Hmm, not even, uh, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> going towards the defense budget. But anyways. Um, hey, uh, you know, does this break all the way down to like the state level candidates and stuff too? Let's see. What's a, a good uh, state candidate to look up? Ooh, let's look up Raper. We'll do Raper. Okay. Um, he's a state senator. Gotcha. Okay. Nope. This looks like it is going to be for federal employee. Uh, That's federal what candidate. I was afraid of. Okay. So we can do like uh, Steve Womack. So we can do Steve Womack. Here we go. Candidate. Uh, okay. I guess this is for his upcoming election next year. We can just click this one here. Where's Where's he operating out of now? Because he used to live where I live in Mountain Home, I'm pretty sure. Um, he's up in uh, Bentonville. He's okay. up in my area up here. It looks like Celeste Williams has raised 355 k Wow, where is all of that money coming from? That is crazy. Um, so Celeste Williams, it looks like 154k from individual contributions, 184 in large individual. This is going to be contributions greater than $1,000. So at least 184 people or, you know, around that many people donated over 1k to her. Um, well, she's raised a lot of money from, from small donors. Oh, yeah. Then. That's great. Yeah, she has 154. She's raising way more money than I am. Um, I, I've been, uh, I've never asked people for money in my life before running for office, and I hate asking yeah. people for money. But what these candidates do is, you know, uh, they will pay a fundraising company, say, $100,000 to raise them 300K. And then, you know, they raise 300K, they'll pay out 100K, and they've got 200K. It's just hard for me because I feel like it's a scam. A lot of these yeah. fundraising yeah. companies, uh, you know, I don't want to, you support me, you believe in me and you want me to represent you, but I'm going to ask you for your money to give to somebody else. I don't know. I, I just feel it's, it is what it is. So great website. All right. Now the next website I want to talk about um, is votesmart.org right up here. So you can go to opensecrets.org and see where a candidate's money is coming from. And then you can go to votesmart.org, and now you can see how that politician is voting. So here we can do Tom Cotton and click votes. That's oh, going to have me click here. I'll click this ugly mug right here. All right, so we got Tom Cotton votes. Where are we? There we go. All right. So now we can see how this politician has voted through his entire career. So the Freedom to Vote Act, he voted no, voted against it. You can click the bill and actually go into it and see, um, no thank you, uh, Tom Cotton voted nay, cloture vote on legislation, um, the date introduced, the vote results, 49 yes, 51 no, 46 Democrats voted yes, and one Republican. 50 Republicans, man, who is the Democrat who voted against this? Right? Yeah. Um, see how your politician voted. Here we go. All right, so Democrat, we're looking for a Republican that voted yes or a Democrat that voted no. 
or uh, yeah, opposite. Let's see. Angus King voted for it. Gregory, I don't even know who this guy is. Yeah, uh, North Carolina. Okay. But anyways, um, really, really cool uh, website. Um, and, and, you hey, know, try you that. Uh -huh. Try that real quick with something on the state level because I just I'm curious if this works with. Um, like put Rapert again or whoever. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Like let's do a state level one and see if it happens to. If because oh it does. See, and I, that's why I love Open Secrets and, uh, you know, Vote Smart. It doesn't mm -hmm. give you any opinions. It's just, here's his voting record. This is how he voted. Um, yeah. So it's really, really good stuff. Um, establish a right of privacy concerning COVID-19 vaccination status. Yes. Um, exempts employees from federal mandates and employer mandates related. Yes. So, I mean, it works on your um, state representatives as well. So do your due diligence. Make sure you research who you're voting for before you vote for them. Uh, I'll never tell you who to vote for or suggest who you vote for. I just want you to do your own research. That's your job as an American. The most important thing you do is voting. So do it intelligently. Don't do it ignorantly. All right. So let me let me steer you in a direction here with a question, if you don't mind. We'll just we'll, – we'll end this on a conversational tone a little bit. But uh, – Uh-huh. I was I was curious about your thoughts because in the last episode we talked about gerrymandering a little bit and we talked about the redistricting and showed showed that video where Nelda was on the floor you know being questioned about the districts but yeah I, I you know what's your what's your take on on that <laughs> I think I know what you're <laughs> gonna say but but tell me I mean what what is your thoughts on it because I see the same thing happening in other states too you know yeah. So here, I'll play a short video is what I'll do on uh, how I feel about it. Minimize bipartisanship. I'm concerned, um, especially as a Democratic voter. There are two million voters that are not Republicans here in Arkansas. Now, we know that there was an independent panel um, that could have been chosen to do this redistricting process. That initiative received over 100,000 signatures. And the Secretary of State, John Thurston's office, threw that off of our ballot last year. Um, my question is, I have one more quick comment to go with my question, if I may. Um, the next part of my comment is that it says minimize bipartisanship, but the committee is 100% partisan. It's led by Jason Raper, who is very partisan. The board is the Secretary of State's. Um, yes, ma'am. I believe there were at least seven other people who had comments before their questions. Uh, several, much longer. I am not lobbying. Um, I will, do, would you like me to ask my question before I finish my comment? My question is, how can you alleviate the worries and concerns of Arkansas voters that are not Republicans, that this will not be done in a partisan way when the committee is partisan, the board is partisan, and the director, even your son, his, his, his name is on Tom Cotton's mortgage, who donated to all of these different people. How can... My question is, how can you alleviate the concerns that this isn't a partisan process? Let me refer you to the Richo versus Common Cause case of 2019, where the federal court was somewhat befuddled by the challenge and says that partisan gerrymandering represents a political question that is not justiciable in federal court because there is no credible way to define and measure fairness in the political context. The U.S. Constitution doesn't guarantee proportional representation of political parties. It doesn't preclude state courts from hearing cases based on partisanship. That in part may answer your question, but I think 
I'm not sure when you say that, that those of us are partisan in what how we draw something. Uh, that's a, that's a skewed, unfair statement. Is there one Democrat standing in front of me? I don't. I under, oh, no problem. Um, a very easier question that's not so partisan. Okay, my bad. <laughs> Yikes, man. Yeah. Yeah. My point was made. Um, but the problem yeah. is, you know, it's it's a very partisan process. And you know what? Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. When it was done, uh, you know, last in 10 years ago, last decade, it was a partisan process by the Democrats. And yeah. it has yeah, been. Yeah, it's a problem on process. both sides. Um, what we need is we need an independent panel, which we should have had because we had the signatures for it on the last ballot in 2020, where three Republicans, three Democrats, and three independents control the process. And then we could be looking forward uh, towards fair districting. But mm-hmm. no, it is absolutely terrible. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has already heard, you know, they cut Pulaski County into three counties, disproportionately right. affecting African-American voters. I believe it pushed like 75% out of uh, the most progressive counties county in our state um it's absolutely terrible and you know what uh, we're going to take it to court and the supreme court of arkansas who is all gop is going to rule against us then we're going to take it to circuit courts who in the eighth circuit unfortunately most of those guys were appointed by republicans and a lot of them by trump um they're going to throw it out and then we're going to take it up to the supreme court and look how conservative i mean it's just you know yeah. it's it's really dim. Well, that's that's a concern because because it is something that happens on both sides. So, like this whole system of redistricting needs to be just done away with, in a sense, you know. But yeah. the and, same and thing, like from out of state, how do you get yeah. you know more uninterested than that? I don't know, man. Or even some. I mean, I'm you know oversimplifying it, but I'm like. For one, I'm not convinced that we need all the politicians that we have, especially on the state level. Like there's a representative on every block and I'm and you know, we're we're a cash strap state and I look at that, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe we could do with half of these dudes and have half of the reps, but I I would like to see like districting almost just go back to county lines or I know there's all these different, you know, factors you have to consider, but yeah, population they, is a big one. But, you know, right. um, I, I think getting rid of, you know, cutting out half the representatives wouldn't be good because then you would have people who were disproportionately represented. But here, I'll Not say if you I'll fix the something. districts. Yeah, if you fix the districts. Right. Um, you know, this is the kind of thing I'm about to say that gets people JFK'd. But um, why yes. do we need politicians at all? I've yeah. got a smartphone with a retina scanner on it. I mean, it, I, it's safe enough with 256-bit encryption that I do my banking from it. You know, I use my yeah. social security number when I'm doing different things for credit checks. I do everything from my phone. It's obviously safe. Why can't I vote for the different issues affecting my family and my life from my cell phone so that we don't have to pay a representative to go to the state capitol to vote for me in my place? Yeah. Um, I've I've, I've kicked that idea around to myself yeah. before too. Is I wonder I wonder how you know because I wonder how much society would change if that's truly the way that the country was ran. You know, like you elected your president, maybe your federal positions, whatever you know, uh-huh. and and then the rest was just popular vote. And I would even say um, even federal. I would say you know elect a president. But even, you know, we don't need the Senate. We really yeah. don't. Um, you know, the House, all these people, they're just voting on legislation that if each legislator was required to read every bill that they had to vote on, and if they were required to submit bills written by themselves and their staff and not think tanks or corporations, then it would be different. But our legislators, yeah. they just straight, they take money from somebody, that person hands them a bill, they rubber stamp it and put it on through. Don't read it, do nothing. And then it gets voted on. And depending on um, you know what kind of progressive or conservative policy, it's going to get rubber voted you know, right through. I mean, it's, it's all a big joke, unfortunately. Yeah. We don't live in a democracy. We don't live in a representative republic. We live in an oligarch. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to, to that. Con- yeah. I'm coming around yeah. to that conclusion as well. I, 
I want to see the system be more, you know, fair, you know, and that's where I get, I get, well, and like Illinois right now has the exact same thing going on where, but it's like you were saying, it's the other way around where Democrats are gerrymandering the state. So it's, yeah. so it's really, it's, it, it erodes away voters' rights at the end of the day is how I feel about it. And it's clearly a power grab, you know. Well, you know, Bloomberg said it best. <laughs> I don't think he meant to say it in an interview a couple of years ago, but he did. He said, you know what? I've got Democrats in my pocket and I've got Republicans in my pocket. I pay them both. Yeah. Right. I well, mean, we've seen that. You know? Yeah, we've yeah. got politicians. we got billionaires giving money to Republicans and Democrats. Right. I mean, it's just – but I think you know. Well, we we just looked at the contra- the com- the campaign contributions from the Israeli super PAC, you know, and then That's if you go look one. at right, if you go look what? at the, I spent some time looking at the different pharmaceutical companies, especially like researching the vaccine and some of that stuff, and just kind of digging into who's donating to who and what. And mm-hmm. if you're just, of course, there's some people that are taking very large donations as individuals, but if you just look at it by party, it is just shockingly close to the middle to, to, to them both being paid equally. And so it's, I mean, even just looking at that, it's like, okay, it's pretty clear that they're, they're buying a vote on this piece of legislation with the blue and then buying a vote on this piece with the red or I don't know, you know, but it's uh, very discouraging to say the least. It really is. You know, uh, you know, we just, the only way, I mean, the, only way we are going to fix this is when millions of regular working class people stand up, say enough is enough and run for office. That's what we have to do. Yeah. I tried to do it as an independent and you know, at the federal level, I just had to accept the real, the realization, the realty that independents don't win at that level. And yeah. if I'm going to win, then my platform is very closely aligned with the Democrats platform. That's why I'm running as a Democrat. But you know, at the same time, it's really tough because I'm an outsider. I'm a political outsider. I do have an opponent in the primary and my opponent is an insider. She's, you know, in with all of the establishment Democrats and she's going to get the establishment's help, like email lists of Democrats that when I ask doesn't exist um, kind of thing. But, you know, uh, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to make sure that I go out there and I talk to as many people as possible about my policies and about different changes that we need here in Arkansas. Um, and, and, you know, at the state level, it's different because you can run as an independent and win. We have a problem mm-hmm. in Arkansas where we had 66% of the Republicans run unopposed last year. 66% of the Republicans are unopposed. And you know what? If there was an independent running against one of those Republicans, bet you'd get that Democratic vote. Bet you'd yeah. get a lot of independent votes. And I bet you would yeah. probably beat that Republican. We have Republicans serving in our state who have run two, three, four terms with never having an opponent in the general election ever. So, yeah. you know, these are things that independents can really come in and start to change things up a little bit, whether they're a conservative independent or a progressive independent or a moderate independent, whatever you happen to be, you know, run for office. And, you know, my website, it's danforarkansas.com. There's a contact button with my email, my phone number. If you want to run for office and you're just, you're lost, you're confused, you feel overwhelmed, you can always reach out to me and I will do my best to help guide you through on where you need to be, what you need to do next and how to build your team and things like that as well. Cause we need people running for office. And if you want to run as a Democrat, you know, reach out to me and I can help you do that as well. If you want to run as a Republican, ah, sorry, can't really help you. <laughs> um, not because, uh, I mean, I was a registered Republican for 12 years of my life, not because I don't want to, but the Republican yeah. parties are a lot different than the Democratic Party is here in Arkansas, where they're way more secretive. Um, their Facebook groups are all closed and private, so you can't just get out there and search and look them up. And I can't, I wouldn't be able to get you connected with the right people. I got you. So, to to pick a final segment here to end on, let's talk about the most important subject of the day, and that's how's deer hunting season going for you so far? <laughs> um, eh, no, I haven't really done anything yet, unfortunately. Not I'd productive. Love to, uh, <laughs> not productive. Yeah. Um, Have you been able to get many hunts in yet or no? I know you. 
I know you're no, a fan. Uh, my hunting yeah. is more harvesting because I, I live with 40 acres behind my house. It's not my hey. property. I wish it was my property. I could go up there and hunt because uh, I know that's where all the deer are. But uh, right. I am limited to hunting from my back porch. And right. yeah. you know, I had that doe and her little fawn coming by. Every time I put corn, they come back. Uh, yeah. But I just – I can't can't take a doe out in front of her. I hear you, man. I can't do it. <laughs> I can't um, do it either. But I would they love eat. to be able to get out there and go like yeah. to public land here soon. I'm thinking about taking public land on as well because this is my this is my second year taking deer hunting seriously where I'm I've really nerded out on it like <laughs> taking deer hunting classes online like that kind of I'm trying to figure these dang animals oh, out, man. you know. Uh huh. Because I like to fo- I do wildlife photography, you know. So it really, what I've come to learn is that they just go hand in hand with each other, especially archery, because you got to be up there close. So if yeah, I can I get within thirty five yards of them with a the bow, then I can get amazing shots with a camera. But anyway, man, I just Absolutely. wondered if you've gotten out. Yeah. <laughs> no, not yet, but I want to. I'll have to get out there here soon. Uh, I've just been so Let, busy on the weekends uh, these last couple weeks with campaigning, and then during the week I'm working. Um, we have, let's see, Friday night we'll be at Live in Eureka Springs starting at 10 p.m. Um, cool. A bunch of the candidates are going to a bar for a meet and greet, so that'll be a lot of fun. And That's then we cool, all man. have to get up at 6 a.m. to go to Mountain Home for an event at 10 a.m. that next morning. Yeah. And then we have the Clinton Dinner in Arkadelphia that evening, so – very busy weekend again this weekend. That's a lot but, of traveling one day. Oh my gosh, it is. I, I, I've driven, oh man, for my campaign, I mean, I want to say like 25,000 miles now around the state. So, wow. Getting a lot of driving. So, wait, you're, you're going, you're going to be in Mountain Home at 10 and in Arkadelphia at a thing that same evening? Yeah. Um, I oh, speak wow. at 12, and then I think the last speaker will be either one or two. And yeah, then okay. uh, we're all going to head down to the Clinton Dinner in Arkadelphia for, oh, I, I think we have to be there by like 530. So it'll be close. It'll be yeah. close. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you find some time to get in the in the woods or at least sit on the back porch. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah, I, all I ever get to hunt is small plots, you know, so I just am like happy that the deer tend to pass through the areas <laughs> that I get to be at, you know, but. Right. Anyway. Yeah, we'll have to get together sometime, man, and go out and hopefully get our limit in one day. That would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I started to say we should do a public land hunt next year. We'll both just... We'll both just take the plunge and try it out somewhere. But Absolutely, man. Definitely. Just, you know, stay in touch, and then we'll get some time scheduled and get it figured out. Of course. Well, don't don't hang up, Dan, but I'm going to end the podcast. But before I do, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and sharing that information. I really felt like it was important just to ride off with this project, whatever, you know, Arkansas Independence Podcast is, to just get the word out there about the process for it. Because while it is daunting on the federal level, on the state level, it's something that's actually, to me, feels really accessible to people. Um, depending on which district you're in, I guess, you know, but these smaller rural districts, which are most of the state, there's, there's an more opportunity there than people probably realize, especially when you factor in that 60% of our current representatives um, were unchallenged, as you mentioned, you know, Mm -hmm. so, and that's right here in Mountain Home. So that's frustrating. It's frustrating to see whether you like the candidate or not, because again, you want the system to work, you know, and you want, you want, uh, you want that challenge and you want that competition there to create better candidates or else you get Donald Trump and Hillary. So there we are. (laughs) Right. Yep. All right, man. I'm going to sign off here. Thanks for being with me. Oh, thanks for having me, man. You have a good evening and y'all have a good evening. (laughs) 